Happy birthday to you. <laughs> oh, God. Happy birthday to you. Oh, Happy birthday, we dear James. Happy birthday to you. How are you doing? Really Welcome to Friday's Free Practice Fridays. Um, Happy birthday, is, listener. It is James's <laughs> birthday. Thank you for joining me so early in the morning on your 37th year on this planet. How dare you? How, how are you going? <laughs> on my 33rd year, thank you, on the planet. Uh, look, I am. That's all I am. I am. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, after the domestic travel that I've done, um, bloody time zone changes now, daylight savings changes. Who knows? Who knows what day it is? Who knows what's, what time it is? Uh, I have, though, some, um, some filter coffee from Tommy T that will get me through uh, the next couple of days to try and figure out where I am. But thank you for the birthday wishes. Happy birthday to you, listener, too, as if it is your birthday. Congratulations <laughs> on being born on the correct day. That's a new segment is birthday shout-outs, actually. So um, if, you, if, mm. if that's you or if it's one of your mates um, and they listen to the podcast, then feel free to send through um, their, their name and date of birth and I will gift them my voice, uh, which is... <laughs> Send what help. else could you want? Please no. <laughs> no more. <laughs> oh, dear. Very good. Well, correct day or not, it is Thursday or Friday, depending on where you're listening. Um, Freya's F1 Fridays, it is, I mean, does what it says on the tin, right? <laughs> exactly. Thank you Short, for the naming. shiny. Thank you for the naming submission, James, um, otherwise known as Freya's Free Practice <laughs> Fridays. Um, let's start off as we usually do with news of the week. There hasn't been heaps going on um, this week. We're all kind of sitting tight patiently as far as the driver market goes. So let's start with our own news um, on Lakeside Drive. And for me that is <laughs> 50 points to Gryffindor, a.k.a. Um, when it comes to the mag- magic of editing last weekend, um, our you know, magical editor last week in terms of making Campy somehow logical all by himself. <laughs> so I'm going to say um, front of the grid, whatever the opposite of the penalty is. Well done, Zeke. Zeke, front of the grid for you. Um, a magic- Just immediate cancellation of the race, race and given the podium. Here you go. Here's the trophy. Here's the champagne. Don't Everyone pack up, go home. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So front of the grid for Zeke. You, on the other hand, James and Tommy T, you're right at the back. You failed to show up for your own podcast. Um, So that's about as bad as it gets in my books. (laughs) I think that the most hilarious thing is we were both in the same city without realising it. I had no idea that Tommy T wasn't in Melbourne. Um, I thought full well that he was uh, was showing up to the studio at his birthday. Anyway, that would... uh, that would be incorrect. Apparently he told Campy. Campy didn't then feed that information back. And uh, after attending a wedding on Sunday in Sydney, I was in absolutely no state to record anything. So, uh, yep, happy to take uh, happy to take a pit lane um, start because I'll change my everything to do with the And you can components. drive over. To be fair, I wish I could do that. 
you can drive over a wheel gun on the way and then you can come back in and, and fix your tire. That's how uh, that's what you deserve after after that showing last week. I would say I would say though that it is nothing to do with Campy's ability to talk, but everything to do with Zeke's ability to continue to move the conversation along. I will also, however, give Campy a penalty for completely missing Alpine. He saw <laughs> in the notes that I put together, he saw the double DNF for let's have a look, Williams DNF. Alpine DNF and he completely missed Alpine altogether. So I would have liked to have heard about Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso last uh, or Monday campy. So how dare you? How dare you? It's like 350 Grand Prix for Fernando Alonso. Doesn't even mention it once. So in the just look, have a five place grid penalty campy. Absolutely, that sounds well deserved. Um, yeah, and Alonso wouldn't be mm. having any of that. Let's be let's be honest. Um, so there has been the news and the news is that there's no news on the financial review. Um, FIA yeah. have said that <laughs> this is really a, just a, a non-news news section. Um, can the oh. FIA have said that it'll no longer happen in terms of getting um, an outcome today, yesterday, which was when it had been expected and now not until the 10th of October. Um, the statement reads, the FAA informs the conclusion of the analysis of the 2021 financial submissions of the Formula One teams and the subsequent release of certifications of compliance to the financial regulations will not take place on Wednesday, 5th of October. The analysis of financial submissions is a long and complex process that is ongoing and will be concluded to enable the release of the certificates on Monday, 10th October. The financial regulations were agreed unanimously by all competitors who have worked positively and collaboratively with the FIA cost cap administration throughout this first oh, year under the financial. I'm still going. I'm still going. I hate, Don't, you can I hate these press releases <laughs> so much. As previously communicated, there has been oh, significant and unsubstantiated oh, speculation God. and conjecture in I'm relation to this matter. I'm too old to listen to this and now. And the FIA reiterates, well, you are too old, that's confirmed, happy birthday, um, that until it is finalised, <laughs> no further information My birthday, will be I want this press release to stop. Provided. I have one more sentence to go. The FIA also reiterates that any okay. suggestion that the FIA personnel have disclosed sensitive information is equally baseless. Opinions, James. The FIA is about as watertight as a sieve when it comes to information and leaking stuff, quite honestly. Uh, I believe none of anything, Not A, because I wasn't really listening, B, because <laughs> how much of a joke is this really for this organisation? They can't get the starts right to a Grand Prix. Why have wet tyres when you can't use them? I know there's safety involved. I think Campy said this as well, but, like, Guys, start the Grand Prix. Just start it, okay? That's the whole point. There's wet tyres. It's been raining. Put them on. Let them run around the place. There's enough tech pro (laughs) at Singapore to stop serious incidents and injuries. There Uh, was. And then they can't even get this right. How is delaying by a week going to help this? Either Red Bull cheated or not. That's it. Hamilton's either going to be have his eighth world championship announced this on Monday or maybe they figured it out and went, oh, no, we can't do this because Max needs all the attention from my from my bloody tinfoil Daniel Ricciardo present momentum bright peach hat beanie of Japan is going to be where uh, Honda wins, then that's it. I don't understand why other other reasons why they would delay it so long. I mean, it's it's honestly just so much of a farce. Oh, yes, bucket hat. (laughs) Hang on. Put put this over my headphones in the best way possible. This is only exclusively for our YouTube viewers. (laughs) Um... Our, our, our tin That is foil. A, such a good bucket hat. 
It's so, I'm so happy about it. Finally, they made some merch that's actually relevant to my part of the world. Although I will say there are definitely track pants <laughs> in my order as well. It's like, you don't need track pants. You don't, you don't need track pants. <laughs> Buys the track pants. Um, no, our, our headwear is um, exclusively Daniel Ricardo themed tin. Um, but you're right in terms of like <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Um, Very good. What can they do right at this point? No, it's. Like you Nothing. said, there was some great um, memes that came out of that. Um, the start from from last weekend. It's like you know, in case you've ever felt useless, just remember that wet tires exist. And you're going, oh yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely spot on. Yeah. But to your Ridiculous. point, Chris Medlin kind of said this, where he said he he reported, look, there's two scenarios that are going to play out here once they do issue those certifications. Either there's going to be teams facing sanctions of some kind. Or there are going to be apologies, and there will not be teams <laughs> facing sanctions. You know, there's going to be one or two out- outcomes. It's more about what those sanctions are going to be if there is, in fact, found to be a breach of um, of the financial regulations um, and the cost cap. So, I think though, what's important, like I know a lot of people kind of saying, you know, even if they do find some sort of breach there. Um, the FIA aren't going to do anything, but it's so important that they do because the mm, flow which on is exactly effect, why they won't. The flow on effect of overspending, you know, last year has would have had such a massive impact on this year's car, and then of course next year's, and so on and so forth. Um, that if they don't, you know, what's the point? Everyone just goes, great, I'll spend yeah. $100 million, get a f- over and then get a $50 million fine. <laughs> I'm still 50 up yeah. and, you know, and we won the championship twice. So it's where's the, you know, motivation to operate within the rule books if there's not hefty, you know, resulting actions or sanctions. To be to be serious, apart from slagging the FIA, I think – this is it's really a, an interesting point in time for formula 1 and i was on uh, on sport fm in perth yesterday talking about or asked this question around is 24 races too much as immediately yes is the answer <laughs> uh, but one of the points that uh, the host brought up was which i think is a good one is how does how does formula 1 keep those existing fans the fans who have been following the sport for more than drive to survive length of time engaged and feeling relevant uh, versus just overdoing it where you're trying to grow too much and you're trying to have too much of a spectacle um, trying to be more entertainment rather than an actual sport uh, to disaffect one half of your audience, the OGs. And because the new half of the audience doesn't necessarily have that much skin in the game, when they get bored of the race, like they're not going to watch Miami, they're not going to watch Las Vegas, they're not going to watch Abu Dhabi or whatever. It, it just is what it is. So I think you're right. It's an incredibly important moment for the sport as a whole. If Red Bull are found to have overspent, then serious implications need to put it be put in place and it's nothing to do with money can i just say like any kind of financial penalty at That's all it. for yeah. anyone really apart from apart from the teams at the back of the grid and they're not going to do the wrong thing a because they can't afford to b because they probably got some uh you know some good things in place to make sure they don't to ensure that they're not ever faced with any kind of penalty I, like i imagine yos capito is absolutely on it when it comes to that sort of stuff uh it needs to be on track because that's all the points of championships mm. and the wins, exactly. No one, no one remembers who won the who won the constructors' championship. You know, they only remember the the lead driver winning the the final race for the championship. And in that instance, it's Max Verstappen. So, look, it's going to be very interesting. There's no absolutely no doubt though that Max Verstappen is winning in the next two races. It's either going to be here in Japan with the fastest lap, or it's going to be in uh, in Austin 
which I cannot wait for both of these races. Can I just say it's going to be absolutely fantastic? Um, and the the new DR merch drop that just happened, uh, the oh road gosh, DR three rodeo. This stuff has just uh, arrived. Freya, I, I can't. I can't do anymore. Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. Even Max wants one of those shirts. He was wearing. He was wearing the uh, the very. If you go down to the shop, the very last page. Um, <laughs> just in turning the bucket hat inside out is not does not make it a new hat. Oh, it does make it a new hat. <laughs> oh, I was wrong. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, look, I think I think it's it's just going to be an interesting time for, for the FIA because if they don't make the right decision here, then all credibility out the window. The sport becomes a bit of a joke, and you know I don't think Max one way or the other really cares because if it's his first championship last year or his first championship this year, he's still going to be dominant for the next couple of years. I think, um, and there's no shadow of a doubt at the moment that he is the best driver on the grid. The way that he controls that car, although trying to overtake those McLarens, maybe not so good, but <laughs> just thinking about where he would was going around Singapore, he was on completely different lines most of the time than everyone else finding group where he had absolutely no place trying to find it. So, yeah, I think the FIA really at a crossroads here, if they don't do the right thing um, or make a decision that is widely accepted, and, of course, you can have Max fans, if, if the decision is, you know, give the, the title to Lewis, you can have Max fans upset and Lewis fans excited and if it's nothing no further action then Lewis fans are still going to be upset and Max fans are going to be excited you know I still think the way that Michael Massey has been treated is absolutely disgusting uh it's just sport guys it's absolutely nothing to do with life and death and uh, and even Christian Horner in his interview which uh, I know you uh, and Campy spoke a little bit about about what he said about DR but I think what he said about Michael Massey was more important to me the fact that he reached out and was still in contact with Massey because at the end of the day, he's just a human being uh, and none of us were the race director. So none of us have any ability to call out what was right or what was wrong about that situation. Um, and well, I think this, it did, look, it just is what it is, right? I think that's the thing is, you know, if a championship is going to be, sorry, my head's going to get too warm. I don't need the, the beanie for like temperature regulation like <laughs> oh, Campy yeah, does. No, just... um, so <laughs> I was like, I'll get too hot. <laughs> Um, oh, goodness me. It, it might make a comeback a bit later on. Um, uh, if a championship's going to be taken away last year, I think it's going to be hard for people to accept it being on a financial regulation basis. I think when it came to the decision-making at the in that last race, that's something that people will be on one side or the other and, you know, will, like you said, either be yeah. pro or against, whereas I think on this basis is difficult for people to kind of connect the dots potentially, especially from an emotional perspective, between overspending and results on track at, at the end of the day there, especially, like I said, when it comes to not just that year but the years ahead as well. Um, and I'm just not convinced that that would have a similar reaction to, you know, um, retracting a championship based on on-track decisions, for example. But we'll see what happens. It's going to be one outcome or or the other. Um, either way, someone's going to end up looking a bit sheepish um, and having to, you know, kind of apologise, um, or they probably won't, <laughs> or, you know, or it, there will be sanctions. But like you said, I, th- I think those penalties have to be on track because there's just so much money in this sport and any type of penalty yeah. on that front. And you, and you even hear it. It's it's tricky because I, I hear what he's saying, but there was that issue last weekend with um, Hamilton keeping his nose ring in. And one of the um, mm. journalists kind of said, you know. Had a note from his doctor. Yeah, exactly. All of his stuff. But they said, you know, do you, are you worried about the penalties because it's likely to be a fine? You know, are you, are you worried about the financial implications? Sure. And he just goes, no, 
<laughs> I don't yeah. really care at this point. Um, yeah. You know, it's that's just not a way that hurts, like you said, those top teams. Who are the ones who, who are likely to be implicated? But moving on, um, probably my favourite part. Can I just can I just yeah. add? Sorry, 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 sorry. I know it's very that's a really stupid thing to do to the host. It happens to me often. Now I'm doing it to you. I do apologize, but can I just say when it Posh comes kettle, to anything seriously sorry, like these Correct, thank you. The the hot takes that obviously we have on this podcast and and everything else. Some of it is informed, some of it is just opinion. But what I would say and it was a question that I had during the week, what is a good place to go and get information from? And you mentioned his name, but Chris Medland, quite honestly, is one of the best journalists in Formula One at the moment. He is not swayed in any direction. He guests writes for Formula One. He writes for racer.com. So does Michael Laminato. So racer.com is where I go for all of my written information and listener, I think you should go there too. It covers not only Formula One, but a whole range of other sports too. They've got a really good collection of freelance journalists who write for them. And if they're not any good, then they get booted out. Um, and then sort of the more traditional autosport, that kind of stuff for, for YouTube seems, they seem to be pretty like switched on. The race is interesting. It can be good, can be bad. Others can be good or bad, but yeah, Chris Medland, Laminado, racer.com uh, genuinely is if for, for like the, the cost cap stuff for the driver market, all of that sort of other stuff. The problem with Fox sports is I know Lamo writes for them, but more often than not, there's the, the idiot news.com.au writers, end up somehow on the Fox Sports website. So mm. just ignore that and just go to Razor.com. Freya, my apologies. Let's move on. Uh, apology accepted, but only because you're coming to grips with the fact that you're now 50 years old. So that's all right. Um, moving on and when and when <laughs> Old we, man yells at cloud. Exactly. Um, but in terms of uh, where to get your content, um, other fun, just Instagram. Not for anything actually requiring research or um, you know, legitimate sources, but for videos of people singing karaoke, it's perfect, which is exactly what happened oh, yes. this week, which is Gasly and yes. Yuki. And I don't, you know, I don't really see the value a lot of the time in talking about, you know, drivers, social media or whatever else. You can go and look at it if you like that type of content, but this was absolute gold. And I think it's partially because for me with Yuki, we don't, or we don't see that much of him. You know, he kind of, sneaks under the radar a lot of the time and you've got others who are so in the public eye um, and, you know, give us so much content um, or they're kind of, you know, promoting themselves in all sorts of different ways. But there was just something about watching Yuki be completely Yuki that I just absolutely loved and, of course, being in Japan um, added that. But, uh, James, what would your karaoke song be? Uh, it's only and always Run to Paradise by Choir Boys. Uh, it is my default, always has been, always will be my default when I get into anything to do with it. Although overseas I doubt that they've got Run to Paradise by Choir Boys. So I'd uh, probably have to go with my OG favourite band, which is The Darkness, and I'll just crank out I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Um, I would just say this. Your range uh, has got to be if good. If you want more Yuki content, <laughs> My range is great, thank you. Uh, <laughs> as an old man, I can say that that's a shame. I see, Zeke knows my range is actually fairly decent. Um, if you want more Yuki content, the best place to go is actually to follow AlphaTauri's social media manager, who is a fellow Australian, Josh Cruz with a K. Mm. Um, and I'm pretty sure his handle, whilst I look it up, is Cruz Control. It is, yeah. Uh, Cruz, C-T-R-L, but with a K. Um, <laughs> he spends a lot of time with Yuki, more time than anyone else spends with Yuki by all accounts, but there's always a lot of fun on his stories of Yuki doing 
um, random stuff like being unable to use chopsticks, for example, um, which is very interesting considering he's from Japan. Uh, But I loved this video for many reasons. Firstly, they're singing Adele. Secondly, I've never seen Yuki that emotional about anything. I'm, I'm, I find someone like you, I can only imagine is like something that he's eating has fallen on the floor and he doesn't want to eat it anymore because he's so intent on food always. So I imagine that's where his heart was in that sport. What about you, Freya? Who are you singing if you get into a karaoke bar in downtown Cayman? Um, It's got to be my OG, which is Robbie Williams. Uh, everything Robbie Williams is just has a very special place in my heart. Um, and you can call, you know, that type of thing. What do they call them? Um, your, you know, shape, what is it? Like your secret indulgence or something like that. What's the this word? This is making great of? content. Yeah, I know. There's a word that I'm thinking of and I can't remember. Oh, anyway, God, I don't know. um, <laughs> we can just put a marker in there. Um, Robbie Williams, it is. Angels no, absolutely not. I'm staying in. <laughs> What is the word my that birthday, I'm thinking of? I'll cry as I want to. Yeah, but it's my show, so, you know, um, that's what uh. I'm just telling you to do. Um, yeah, Robbie Williams, Angels, all the way. But let's stick with Yuki because the other thing which he has provided this weekend is an epic uh, helmet design, which is just stunning, I yes. think. Yes. As has VB. Love VBs too. So look forward to, to seeing those on track. Other bits of news is coming out of press conferences um, today and yesterday. There's not, like I said, not too much when it comes to upgrades and driver markets and things like that. DR will obviously get the upgrades that um, Norris had last weekend, so we'll see how that goes for him um, on this track. Uh, it doesn't. It's interesting in that you know uh, Lando last week didn't seem to have a phenomenal um, you know advantage on pace with. Uh, with Daniel last weekend, so we'll see if both of them have any type of you know, improvement this weekend. Um, Alpha upgrades new front wing, so hopefully that helps them with the kind of high-speed corners this weekend um, and help them with getting a bit more downforce. I hope that Alpha gets some points this weekend. Um, we'll get to kind of talk a bit later about what we're excited about when it comes to Japan, but uh, when it comes to to both of those drivers, I just really feel like they're due a bit of luck. Um, and especially with VB's helmet, I want to see that thing perform. <laughs> Can I just say also one of the things that I love at this point is because Japan's only just opened up to tourists Guilty again pleasure. and they're still That's more the on the conservative side. Sorry. Ah, good. Well, I'm glad that we got there in the end. Yes, word being two words. The word that I was going to say, what I, and what I was going to say about that was that I have no guilt about it whatsoever. Anyway, continue. It's <laughs> <laughs> just purely pleasure. Yeah. Um, and when it comes to Robbie, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it, yeah, when it comes to Japan, the press conferences, of course, because they're still sort of coming out of the COVID way that a lot of us sort of did six, seven months ago, they've still got the plastic screens up. Um, and I really like the other <laughs> outstanding video content is Max Verstappen sitting next to Daniel Ricciardo doing like, you know, the bloody stupid faces on the uh, on the screen. And it's something that I just, you know, no one else does that kind of stuff with anyone else in the paddock except for Daniel. And I'm not, this is not talking about where he's going or anything, but Max is always super serious or super pissed off. Yeah. Or if DR's in the frame, having a bloody good time. Like he's just laughing and he and he, you can tell they're absolutely mates, but I love that he's doing, then he's turning around and doing the mime wall and everything else. So I look, those, those plastic partitions, absolutely not keeping COVID away from anyone, just purely uh, there for our entertainment. 
I did enjoy that as well. Like you said, he seems to bring out uh, a different part of other people's personality or character, which we don't see otherwise, and just another reason that I will continue to spend money on things that I don't need. <laughs> there it is. Oh, shit. <laughs> Put it back on. Don the hat. Excellent. <laughs> um, other... Yeah. <laughs> The bits coming out of press conferences, um, I think, and you could see it in that activity um, in the press conferences, everyone's just so glad to be back. Um, like like with Singapore, yeah. the drivers are just so happy to be here, um, which is just really apparent. And I think that makes for a better weekend for everybody um, when you know we're, we're on a track which we love um, and, and that the drivers love because when they're enjoying it, we're enjoying it is, is certainly um is yep. certainly my experience anyway. Interesting from Charles talking about kind of um, what they need to do this year and next year in order to try and start challenging for world championships. Um, he's kind of said, you know, performance is now issue. It's getting it all together, which is not, you know, it's not news, but it's very interesting I think hearing that come from the driver in such a kind of concise way to the saying performance isn't a problem. It's about piecing all of those different elements of a weekend that makes something work, um, actually getting all of those those right, which, again, we know, but I, I in, find it interesting to hear drivers and members of the team being at a point very specifically to those um, those things as well, kind of confirming what we suspect is going on within teams. Um, similarly, Alonso um, kind of pointing towards reliability being their issues this weekend um, and kind of being their downfall. And yeah. he said, you know, if we do lose that fourth place in the constructors at the by the end of the year to McLaren, which at the moment McLaren is is sitting in fourth ahead of Alpine, um, he said, you know, he was likely to be reliability issues that will be our downfall um, and see us to to fall back in constructors. So. Um, I obviously, you know, for, you can for only obvious. imagine Piastri's face after Singapore, can't you? You'd be like, "Oh, I made the right decision there, didn't I?" <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. It's 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 an interesting one because they they seemed widely. I wouldn't have described reliability as their issue necessarily um, in terms of the weekends that they that haven't gone so well. But um, at the same time, if that's if that's what he feels is is kind of an issue, it's. I think sometimes I you know kind of you go okay, what do we talk about? What are we actually talking about when we talk about reliability? Obviously, there's reliability when it comes to your power units, but reliability is also you know the. It's presence of consistency as well, right? And that comes down to performance too. Um, and it's that every single weekend showing up and being able to challenge for whether it's best of the rest, which is kind of where our pain is sitting at the moment, um, and and not having any issues kind of getting in their way. So so it happens there. Now, the one thing that was said in a press conference, which I find very alarming and wildly concerning for everybody, is um, Latifi. Obviously, we've got a bunch of people who haven't raced oh. here before. And Latifi yes. said, so I did my track walk um, and, you know, obviously I've heard from other drivers about the track and I've watched lots of races, but being here in person, it's a lot narrower and there's more banking than I expected. And I was like, oh, dear. Well, he absolutely he absolutely stuffed Joe's race last weekend. That was absolutely no good whatsoever. Uh, look, I think uh, Frederick Vasseur said it. You know, best. Yeah. Sometimes it's reliability. Sometimes it's Nicholas Latifi. Uh, you know, I think this is a track that absolutely favors the brave, Japan, and mm. uh, and Suzuka is such a brilliant, such a brilliant technical track. It's got high speed corners. It's got medium and low speed corners. 
Um, oh, just so excited for 130R. I know Campy and I talk about it often, but this is just absolute bliss when it comes to comes to tracks. But oh god, Nicholas Latifi. Let's uh, maybe he just you know has a hand again in delaying the championship for Max Verstappen another weekend. It does seem likely based on those comments. And then the last um, kind of, I suppose, news of the week is F1 TV for Fox Sports. James, do you want to tell us all about that? Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) At no extra cost. Although I don't know if it's for Fox or if you can get it through KO here in Australia. This is only an Australian thing. If you can get it through KO or... I thought they... God, it better be. Um, Sick and tired of having to listen to the crap that comes through Sky Sports. Dear listener, here is some good news for you. If you do have Fox Sports then or KO, you can get F1 TV and that means that you can have other non-Sky F1 commentary for the race and it is no extra cost to you can have... um, You can choose which car you want to ride on with. You can listen to team radio. You can do all that sort of other stuff, which you should be able to do anyway here with if not for Fox's stupid... Uh, geo-blocking of that app already. But for next year, yes, that, that seems to be where it is. Watch that price go up, though, as a result of, of that happening. Um, we already paid too much per month for it as it is. But, uh, yeah, it's good news, and it means that you can uh, listen to the dulcet tones of uh, Will Buxton. I only imagine that uh, he starts, he says, it's lights out, and then maybe towards the end of the race he finishes by saying, and away, and we, away we go. <laughs> uh, and yeah. that's it. That's the whole commentary. <laughs> and that's and that's it. But no, you'll have other people like Laura Winter, Felipe Massa, um, Alex Brundle will occasionally jump in there as well. So I think the, the great thing is it's just some more choice for us. And it's one of the things that, that we uh, always wanted down here is more choice to what we have to listen to. And noting Sky F1 has announced its uh, extension till 2029. Um, with uh, for the UK provider for, for F1 is that's way too long, but there you go. Interesting enough, so <laughs> we don't have to suffer through it, which is good news. It's good news, everyone, for us here down in the forgotten land. It is good news. Like you said, more choice and it will no doubt be paying for it, but um, but more choice and that just gives you, and it gives you better insight. It has a better weight. Your whole race weekend is more interesting because you have more information. Yes. You're, allow, you're able to follow the things which are most interesting to you. You know, if you are an Ocon fan, you can go and, you know, watch his race more closely because you won't see it otherwise. So that is good. That is good news. <laughs> All right. Let's get into our profile for this week. Um, we are taking a slightly different turn um, in comparison to some of our previous roles, which have been centered around kind of engineering and, and different elements um, of of roles that are part of developing um, Formula One car. So this week we're looking kind of a bit more closely to some of the commercial side of things of, of Formula One. So we're going to have a look at Chloe Target Adams, who is the global director of race promotion for Formula One. So a bit about background first, as, as we always do. Um, Chloe says that she has now, I find this fascinating actually. God, I haven't even said anything and it's already interesting. Gosh. Um, <laughs> purely because of how we talk about Formula One. So Chloe says that she's like, I always wanted to work in the entertainment industry since she was young. I was like, I just find mm. it interesting that when we're talking about Formula One, you refer to entertainment. Now, it's because um, her dad was a musician and he toured the world with his musical work and she was quite inspired by that. Um, but still I just find it interesting um, referring back to the entertainment industry when we're talking about, about Formula One because it tells us what a lot, a lot of what we already know where it is not just about sport and competition. It is about, you know, 
it is about mm. entertainment. Um, it's part of the entertainment industry in a lot of ways, whether or not whether you like it or not. Um, but beyond that, she trained um, as a lawyer and worked for several um, firms in London and in her latter role covering media and entertainment clients, again, kind of going down that that preference for working in, in the entertainment industry. And it wasn't until 2009 that she joined F1 um, actually as an in-house counsel role. So, again, still kind of practising those qualifications when it comes to um, being an attorney or lawyer, depending on what part of the world you're in and the language that we use. Um, but interestingly, as in an interview with um, Financial Times, she's kind of acknowledged that at that time she didn't really know much about F1. She said, I kind of joined this business. I didn't really know anything about it except that it was a global sport series, you know, um, which is quite different to other people who we find, whether it's in the paddock, um, in the garage, back in factories, you know, have had this dream of working for Formula One, um, has kind of come into it knowing that it's it's global and it's a in sport, um, but that's about it. Her role very much changed in 2012 um, and I can only imagine that this would have been a role that would have required the patience of a saint working alongside Bernie Ecclestone on mm. race promotion. Um, just you cannot, like I said, working with somebody who is that eccentric um, on a regular basis and um, who has certain ways of going about business as well, um, which you can imagine that depending on you know what your style is might not always align, would only be challenging. Um, so, so that tells me something about her, her character and her ability to, to still be in the sport. And in several interviews actually that I was reading in, in researching um, her role, there are a lot of reflections on, you know, the diplomat behind F1 um, race promotion and, and that type of thing. So I would say that's very likely to be both a, a, a trait and a skill that um, allows her to be so successful in this role. But in 2017, moved into a role as Global Director of Promoters and Business Relations. This is only a couple of months after um, the takeover by Liberty Media. And following that takeover, she was very much charged with changing how deals and race promotions worked. So part of that has actually been helping hosts and promoters market their event rather than leaving ticket sale numbers kind of up to them. So again, this is kind of in particular in reflection of an interview that she did with Financial Times one of her biggest goals was trying to change the responsibilities or shift those responsibilities when it comes to ticket sales because it's better for everybody when an event actually sells out. So it's one thing you can say, I'll, um, as a, you know, as a location, we'll spend X amount, like, you know, we'll, we'll buy a race event essentially to host it for X amount of money. But then F1 would kind of say, great, done. Now it's over to you to sell your tickets in order to try and get a return on, on that spend. Um, her approach was very much now, how do we help you to market this event. Um, and one of the events that she actually reflects on um, is Japan and helping them to design a strategy to very much market Japan, the Japan race to China, which was highly effective when it came to seeing increases in other elements of their economy, including in obviously tourism and the like, but very much kind of partnering with them beyond the initial agreement in terms of a big, a big change that she, that she put in place. Yeah, I think uh, I mean working with promoters, which effectively is the, the you know the tracks around the world. That's that's in the language that these guys use. It would be incredibly interesting, and uh, I mean as 
as you sort of said and is written here, no two days are the same. No, absolutely not yeah. because no two racetracks are the same except for all of the American races and all of the Italian races and all of the other races. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but you're dealing with significant cultural things. You're dealing with different track sizes. You're de- dealing with either home races for like Daniel Ricciardo or Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton or, or others. So trying to figure out how, you know, a best strategy for that I think is is really incredibly important. But the shift between Bernie you know, you pay me and I don't give a crap about what you do versus Liberty Media, which is, you know, when we're still in that growth stage now, we've seen it. I mean, Chase Carey did such a good job Mm. in reinvigorating Formula One. I think he never gets enough credit, especially when Stefano now is, you know, in charge. So the way that that has worked, and I'm sure that she would agree that Chase was very much, you're the SME, what can I do as CEO to support you in that respect too? So she probably had a lot of that ability to lead and a lot of what we're seeing now a couple of years later would be those conversations that she's been leading and trying to set up an amazing array of different races and how it works. And, okay, sometimes it doesn't always work. You know, Miami is a good example of that. But first race out of the bag, you know, maybe next year it'll be better because no one will be there because the ticket prices are too expensive. Yeah. I don't know, but incredibly important work for, for this to happen. Well, absolutely. And very much as you, as you can imagine in terms of working the, with promoters, um, something that kind of shapes the future of the sport in a lot of ways. You know, obviously we've got the technolo- technology side mm. of things that's shaping the future of the sport and, and engineering developments and, and new technologies as we've kind of mentioned. But this also makes a massive contribution because it changes, you know, the the countries in which we're, we're going to. Therefore, you know, the the different spectator groups and, and cultures that are going to be part of this sport, um, which is which is a big part of it as well. So as you said, you know, she she describes her her role in terms of no two days being the same, especially on race weekends. So she does oversee the race commercial operations for, for F1 and therefore is, as you've kind of alluded to, is responsible for therefore, you know, one of the primary revenue streams for for this business. Um, so you could also probably provide an alternative, you know, uh, job title for her, which is president of money making, because that is the heart of her role <laughs> in terms of locking in and uh, then maintaining agreements with governments and businesses that play host to and stage Grand Prix. So she would be the the key contact for for F1 race promoters and new race opportunities. So I'm blaming Vegas on her, <laughs> as well as Miami, as as yes. you mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, but come on, s- mate, lift. Yeah, exactly. Um, but her responsibilities very much cover the entire Formula One global footprint. So this isn't just about promoters in, in Europe um, or America. It's, it's the global footprint, which, as we know, spans 150 races as of next year um, across <laughs> five continents. Um, She's too efficient at her job. It- it, I think she – exactly. I mean, everybody who we talk about in the world of Formula One is far too efficient at their job, but indeed, yeah, mm. getting there very, very quickly. Um, but as we've kind of described already, you, as you can imagine, that role very much shapes the future of the sport um, in terms of driving the the commercial growth, but then also that strategy when it comes to your different spectator groups and and where you're actually placing placing the sport. So we all know that F1 is about as global as it gets when it comes to to sport um, and competition. And as we're all probably aware, they're aiming to further expand its global reach as well, which is something that, that Chloe in her role is very much leading the charge for. So as you can imagine, that basically means 
the US, <laughs> but also Africa as well. And and Chloe has openly said that she agrees that Africa should be one of the next tracks that they look to try and get on the list. Um, so she, she mentioned that and you can read about it in a, in a short article on Paddock Mag- in Paddock Magazine. Um, but interesting to for her to hear kind of say, yep, we're not on that continent. We need to be there. It doesn't make sense that we're not there if we can make it to every other part of the world. Um, and that's something that obviously Lewis is is quite strong about and, and that she agrees with. So we, I imagine that she, over the next couple of years, will be looking to, to establish um, a track in the future on that continent. But just going back to, to race day, um, as I've mentioned, no, no two days are the same. There's a variety of clients who they would meet with to discuss the business side of things along with their promoters and hospitality teams and all of that type of thing, as well as the operational aspects of the event and all of the paddock club side of things um, and all of those experience um, kind of packages and everybody who's involved with that, um, something that she's central to in terms of staying on top of over the, the course of a weekend. But Going back to what she, how she now describes the sport as somebody who went into it not really knowing much about it, in an interview with Emirates Woman last year, she was saying that she feels like Formula One is the perfect mix of athleticism, technology and engineering with live drama and in, entertainment in a way that no other sports can match up to. So in a way, based on that quote, it does sound like that she has you know, achieved that youthful dream of, of working in, in entertainment. We often say this, uh, we've often said this, I should say, on the podcast and, and early on back in 2019 when we started, you know, Campy was very much in the this needs to be sport only and not entertainment bandwagon and I was in probably more in, in, in this bandwagon, which is it needs to be the combination of both because it was, it was dying when it wasn't entertainment and uh, no one really cared about what was actually going on under the Bernie reign. So at the end there at least, I mean, initially he was doing great things with the sport, but now it has to be a mix of entertainment. And it, no more is that true with the welcoming of box-to-box films coming in and filming Drive to Survive. You know, mm. the, it is... There is drama, yeah, it's amped up sometimes. Okay, it's television, but often that drama exists. That, that's what journalists are reporting, you know, day in, day out. We now just get the visual representation of what that looks like behind the curtain, so to speak, with the drivers and team principals. So I think this is, they found the right mix. It is, as I said a little bit earlier in the podcast, though, it is, it's hard to find a point where everyone is happy so it's it's trying to figure out who is your who is your main focus who is the most important audience to re- retain for the next 5 years and i'm sure that's absolutely in the back of her mind with all of the discussions that she's having i'm sure and she in we i wasn't going to kind of talk about it so much today but she does refer to that in terms of you know the importance of retaining those legacy tracks as well um in terms of saying you know this this sport has a has a serious history and um, it's dripping in amazing statistics and, um, you know, rivalries and um, we go back to each race and we reflect on previous winners and, you know, Schumacher's won here six times and this person's what they've got this amazing history you need to hold on to um, because there's there's a lot of value to that as mm. well as that being important to longer standing fans as well. 
So another element of um, of her role, obviously she's very senior um, in the Formula One commercial world, um, which as we know is is male-dominated both in terms of her industry in the legal profession but then also in Formula One as a sport as well. Now in answering the question about being a female in a male-dominated sport and an industry as well, Chloe very much turns to the fan base, which is a common, which is, as she describes, is a combination of its employees and its and spectators. Um, so at, at that point, um, this is looking at an interview her, as I mentioned earlier, towards the end of last year, about 38% of Formula One employees are female, but for teams, it's as low as kind of 9%. So Haas at that point were, were very low. I think they only employed about 15 women at that point, which, yes, they're one of the smaller teams, um, but statistically, you know, that's still still quite small. So she very much refers to, you know, and I actually really like that in terms of talking about the fan base being the employees and spectators and points to mm. initiatives like We Races One um, because part of that is you know, it's not just raising awareness, it's actually doing things to make sure that underrepresented groups can have more opportunities, have increased opportunities in business and in sport. And that's the thing. It's not just about having a female driver one day. It's about, as we describe in this part of of the podcast, all of the different roles that come together to put a race, um, you know, on, on track every, every weekend as it will be next year. Um, And, you know, that is the, the lawyers, the engineers, um, the wind tunnel technicians, it's its all of these roles. So making sure that those opportunities are present both in business and in, and in sport. But at the same time, public-facing representation is important. And as um, she's reflected, she's kind of saying you know, that, that visibility of females in Formula One is really important so that you have a face to show, um, you know, young girls to show that this is something that is possible from any background and you don't, think, oh, that, you know, that job is for somebody else. You know, that job is for someone who comes from a place that I'm not from or is of a different gender or background. Um, And that's all about inspiring, you know, the next generation, but then creating those opportunities as well. And similarly on this topic, um, Chloe has a very similar, um, I suppose, perspective to some of the other people who we've talked about in terms of just the benefits of getting more diversity in in the sport in that, as she's kind of said, you know, when we have diversity in the sport, we get better problem solving. Um, you know, when we get mm. um, more diversity in sport, we get more innovation. Um, and so obviously we have a huge amount of engineers and better problem solving and better innovation is always going to be a good thing. So from a business perspective, it makes sense. You know, we can generate more growth when we have better technology. And if we have better technology by having a more diverse team, then you know, that's a good thing. So just interesting to see um, that perspective kind of being reflected in, in her world as well. And her advice to other people. Um, when it it's comes, a no-brainer. Well, exactly, yeah. And that sharing of ideas is critical um, when it comes to that kind of you know, diversity of, not just because it's diversity of thought, that comes from different backgrounds and experiences, which means that you just, you approach problems from different perspectives and angles. And like you said, this sport for the most part is so often coming up with ideas and solving problems. Um, You know, whether that's to make a a car go faster or trying to get a track on a new continent um, when you can have people who are coming from that, that problem from a different angle um, is going to help you get a, a, get a better result. Yeah. And one of the things that I think frustrates me often is that 
and I see this a little bit on Twitter whenever I go there, which is once in you know a week because I hate the platform more often than not. I but can't figure out how to use it. There's still this element that, <laughs> oh, good, don't bother. Uh, there's still this element that, you know, or there's still this thought process amongst guys that girls only watch Formula One because they find a particular driver hot or whatever else and they can't, you know, possibly enjoy anything to do with it. So, there's still such a long way to go, but the diversity element inside the actual sport itself is incredibly important, as you said. And, and what I, again, why I love this part of the podcast is that hopefully listening to you are finding this awesome as well, but we're meeting new people around the paddock or at least being aware of them. And then when inevitably you start interviewing some of these people uh, on this show, which I'm very much looking forward to when that happens, we actually get to, you know, broaden that person's awareness. And I mean, the majority of our listeners are in Australia, of course, but we've got some wonderful listeners in the US, Canada, New Zealand, uh, and around the world too. But in other bigger English market or English speaking markets, it isn't just the UK means that hopefully um, people listen to this podcast, regardless of who you are, where you're from, whatever, if you feel like you want to work in Formula One, it doesn't matter if you're 16, 12 uh, or 33, which is allegedly 50 now <laughs> years old. If you want to decide that you're going to change your mind to, to change into that industry, then you can. And, and I think it's so inspiring to, to listen to these stories. And it, even from just outside from the diversity of the gender point of view, just these people are kick ass. Like they are yeah. crushing it, whatever they're doing. Uh, and to, to think about working in this environment with promoters who will be, you know, who have egos, in some tracks and some tracks will really want to get on the, the calendar like South Africa, as you mentioned, would really want to get on the calendar. Um, kicking France to the curb probably would have been enjoyable, I guess. But <laughs> it, it's such an important Certainly thing that, be. as you say, we get a diversity of voices. Mm. And it's interesting, Chloe, kind of um, on on that note, just in terms of being being inspired, I suppose, by all of these other people working in the sport. Chloe says that she feels like she doesn't um, feel like enough has been done to truly open up access and show show showcase women working in the sport that have actually always been there. I think now we are starting to shine a light um, on in particular women, but people from all backgrounds who are in minority groups that are working in Formula One. It's like in a way they have always been there, but they weren't being put um, kind of front and center. And and actually it's a really great place to work for everybody um, and to build an, an amazing place to build a career. And so on that note, in her advice to others, her her recommendation is explore and pursue every opportunity that comes your way in that there are multiple career options in the motorsport industry generally and just be really open-minded as to what career routes you might end up taking in that obviously she went in um, to all of this with, you know, as a, um, as a lawyer. You know, and and now she's working with various governments and, and massive organisations to to host Formula One events, which is not necessarily something I would say that she thought she was doing as she watched her dad tour in music. So <laughs> really cool to see see that come to life. So that was that's our profile yes. for the week, um, Chloe Target Adams. So finally, James, we are going to Japan, um, and as you said, we're so excited to be here. Yes. The drivers are excited to be here. We haven't been oh. here for three years, and our last winner was VB, which just again, as we reflect um, on these races, you know, Singapore was kind of kind of similar in terms of these places we haven't been for a while, and just looking at the you know the the very last winner, you know, it's often people who we haven't seen on a podium for a while. Um, narrow, high-speed circus. Yeah. Circus. It could also be a circus. 
Um, High depend, speed circus. <laughs> depending on what mm. Latifi chooses to do. Um, as you've said, Max <laughs> Max can win here. Only Perez and Leclerc can stuff that up for him. Um, he needs to outscore Leclerc by eight points, Perez by six points. So a win and fast slap will do it kind of regardless of anyone else's results. So he's got a lead of 104 points over Charles, 106 points over Sergio, um, and there's still 138 um uh, points on the. I've got about points to make, left so to go. Points left to go. <laughs> I can't even speak. On the table. On the table, along with the, all of the food the and all of the meat yes. on the table. There's also 138 <laughs> points still there, um, thanks to the remaining oh, yes. five races. Um, so I think he'll probably. I think he'll probably do it here. Um, if it's not yeah. here, it'll be the next one. It'll be that fastest lap point and if somebody else is just a bit too close. But um, I think I think we'll probably see Max seal the championship here. It's not uncommon for it to be done here. I think it's happened 11 or 12 times. Um, but what do you reckon his chances are? Look, this Red Bull is so quick mm. and, I mean, home crowd effectively with the power unit. It's very interesting that uh, – Honda has appeared on the side of the car again. Mm. Um, it hasn't been there all season, but now it is back. Uh, I think, you know, that Max is a great driver. Sergio's a great driver. I think in the debrief or in the briefing room, rather, the pre-briefing room, it will be let's do what we can to help Max secure this this weekend because it'll be a great thing for Honda. As I said last week, it'll be a great thing for Red Bull and a great thing for Max. And the Japanese fans are next level. The the amount of epic, epic, uh, you know, placards and hats and costumes and everything else going on there in the crowd already, and it's only free practice, is awesome. One thing that I would say as well uh, from out of the press conferences, which I thought was really interesting and shows just how loved this track is, is Sebastian Vettel saying, I'm yeah. happy to come back in future to do a cameo appearance specifically at Japan. Yeah. If anyone wants to just <laughs> sign me for one race, that'll be good. I'll be very happy to do that. And I think he's right. I mean, the, the circuit itself is brilliant. It's incredibly technical, as I said, and it's incredibly uh, enjoyable, I think, in a lot of ways too. There's a lot of great passing opportunities Hopefully these uh, new regulations makes it better again. There's been plenty of drama here in the past. We reviewed the Alain Prost and uh, Senna incident that happened way back when. You can yeah. go back and listen to that podcast in the archives as our classic race review. Uh, but for for Max, I think it makes sense for this weekend. I can The only thing that I can see stopping him would be someone like George or Lewis or Carlos who maybe aren't you know, necessarily where they want to be or they're out of position for whatever reason, you know, pits the last second to last lap, puts some softs on and, and goes for fastest lap just to deny Red Bull the ability to have it. But knowing Max, if his quality goes well, he'll be able to pull out enough of a gap to respond to that and pit himself and then, you know, pull it because I reckon Sergio will be right behind him in second. As I said, the pre-briefing, it will be, uh, no, 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 you let him go first and everything that's will what, be happy. That's what I think will be interesting is actually the role that Perez plays in this because I think, you know, everything was much clearer last year as we got to the, the end of the season as to, you know, who was, um, you know, in a position to win the championship and this year it's just it's a lot tighter. And so I, I don't think hmm. that Perez will be as content playing rear gunner at this race in order to allow Max just to secure it earlier. I'm not saying that he won't do that, but 
I would be interested to see the team radio afterwards, that's for sure, um, because he is genuinely in, in a position to, to to stuff it up for him, basically. Like I don't think he's going to win the championship, but for the sake of another win under his own belt, I think he would find it very challenging to give that up, like I said, simply so that Max can close it a, a week earlier than he probably will otherwise um, or a race earlier than he will otherwise. So it's just because of the point standing, you can imagine that's changing how they're feeling about the potential role that any one of them would play yes. going in, going into the weekend. But lots of new things to look forward to. Like you said, new cars on this track. We don't know quite what that's going to mean when it comes to how well they can they can overtake. We've got Mick, Yuki, Joe and Latifi all making their debut on, um, on this circuit. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But at the end of the day, home race for Yuki. Um, which amongst those awesomely mad fans, um, I'm just really excited to see. Yeah, it's going to be so good. I'm, I am so, so, so keen for this race. Uh, the other thing worth mentioning too uh, is that by all accounts, we'll know probably after this podcast has come out, they'll, sorry, after we've recorded this podcast, but before this podcast is released, which is only a couple of hours. Um, Alpine will have announced Gasly to Alpine and AlphaTauri will have announced Nick DeVries uh, by all accounts. That's going to happen this weekend. So we can finally tidy up a couple of seats uh, ahead of whoever is going to be racing in that Haas seat for next year. But that's going to also be very interesting too, I think, because AlphaTauri being you know the sister team or the junior team with, with Honda and Red Bull, who knows? It's, it's an interesting time to do that. So keep your eyes and ears to the screens, but racer.com is is where I would go for that information. Don't bother with anything else. Like Speed Cafe is just the most useless Australian site. It writes articles based on other people's articles. It's not a good way of doing journalism. Uh, and let's all just have a bloody good weekend. The other thing to, uh, to watch this weekend too is the Bathurst 1000. It's the only supercars race of the calendar. Tell me I'm wrong, Tilly Willie. There's no other races. It's just exclusively this one. There's can't n- no one else is watching anything else. I'm sure one of the drivers. I'm sure Shane Van Gisbergen's on 1.6 billion points at this time in the championship. And if he wins the 173 million on offer this weekend, then potentially he can clinch the championship. I don't know. There's too many points in V8 supercars. I lost interest a long time ago. But Bathurst 1000 is a bloody good spectacle. It's going to be a kick-ass a weekend of racing, Freya. Well, this one is at a good time for you as well, is it not, for Suzuka? It's in the daytime, so yes. daytime? (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's in in the the daytime in Japan. It's in the daytime here. Outstanding. Daytime for you as well. That makes a, it does make for a very good weekend um, because your Monday won't suffer quite as much regardless of what happens. So I'm excited for that for you guys because I know you do suffer through the season um, at very strange hours of the day um, purely to commit to seeing something happen live. So a lot of respect for, for everybody in Australia who commits to, to watching races and enjoy watching it in the daytime. Um it's very enjoyable, <laughs> which I get to do on a regular. Not on basis. the west coast. The west coast often gets a good timing. So yeah. the west coast and put yourself in the bin. It's New Zealand and the east coast <laughs> suffer. They do suffer for so many reasons. All right, that's it for this week. Um, thank you for joining me, James. Don't forget, listeners, that you can support the show by either subscribing to our YouTube channel, grabbing some merchandise, or jumping onto our Patreon link via the link in the description below. Thanks for joining me. Have a good birthday, mate. 
Don't be too sad that 70 is only a couple thank of years you. away. Oh, good Lord. Continues to get higher. No, thank <laughs> you. I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be a good one. Sounds great. See you, mate. Have you got the equivalent drink uh, cocktail for Japan so you can say that 500 times this episode? What is the, um, what would be the Japanese equivalent? Sake, sake or something like that. Like, it be sake at some point. Just say kampai as many times as possible and see what happens. <laughs> and Tom, Tomai is the like absolute standout Tom. comment of the like. was just amazing. Um, oh, incredible. Yeah. Sumimasen to my Japanese friends. <laughs> da, 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 da. Thanks for making me older each time. You Every time I did. I hadn't actually planned to do that. And then mm, I'm like, didn't you? Shit, I'm funny. I'm going to make Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what you are. Great. <laughs>